Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, everybody. This is your host, Dave, and uh, today is September 21st, 2014. We have a great show for you tonight. We have Mike Lehman from the Gourmet Rodent. It's going to be a really great interview, very interesting uh, topic. Mike uh, is running the Gourmet Rodent, which supplies Pecto and PetSmart with uh, their leopard geckos and other animals. Very, very, just huge, colossal operation, and uh, we're going to talk to Mike and see what it takes to run something like that so well. Uh, tonight, I'm joined with my special co-host, Mr. Tim Walton from Slice of the Jungle. Tim, how are you tonight? I'm doing good, Dave. How are you? Doing great. Looking really looking forward to this interview. Uh been thinking about it all week long and uh, just really, really excited about it. Um, what's what's going on in your uh, your collection and your doings? Uh, same as everybody else, I think, this time of year, uh, feeding and cleaning babies. Really? Okay, cool. Are you hatching anything cool out over there? I'm starting to slow down a little bit, but some, uh, yeah, a lot of nice stuff. A lot, a couple of bandit crosses and some cool bandits. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm hatching out a lot of white and yellow stuff this year, so it's, uh, it's really interesting. I think we're just getting started with white and yellows. Um, you know, they're coming out really cool, but imagine when we get some years of selectively breeding, you know, them down, I think, uh, we're going to see some just really just amazing stuff. What do you think? I, uh, I haven't seen too much of white and yellow stuff, so I, I'm not, uh, I'm not as familiar with it as you are. Well, some things it cleans it up and other, uh, morphs, it kind of just breaks it up and makes it go crazy. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I've hatched out some, some people think that you really can't make uh, good bold animals with white with the white and yellow gene, but uh, I actually hatched out a few uh, nice bells this year that have circle backs with really sharp uh, symmetrical patterns. So that's what I'm I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah, the chat room's filling up nice. We've got about eight people so far. And I just want to let everybody know that uh, tonight we're uh, going to be following through with the Facebook in Gecko Forums raffles. Okay, so last week in Gecko Forums, uh, we did a special raffle for a $50 gift certificate from Gecko Boa, John Scarborough. All right, and uh, for those of you that participated, I think there was 11 people that participated uh, during the mid-show break. I'm going to pull a number from 1 to 11 and uh, corresponding with the different people in the in the contest, of course. And uh, if your number comes up, you win. Also, uh, the Facebook page, Gecko Nation Radio, we did a, a contest there for a free shipping credit with Ron Tremper. And that's worth 60 bucks. So uh, I'm going to pull that name right now. And there was a lot of people that participated in that. I think it was, uh, I don't know, at least 50 people. And it took me a while to type everybody's name into the random uh, name generator here. 
So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick that name, and I'm also going to take a screenshot of the results so you know it was all legit. So everybody, good luck. Here we go. The winner of the $60 credit with Ron Tremper is Brandon. Brendan from Herp Morphs. All right, Brendan, you are the winner. Congratulations. I've seen you on Facebook. Um, you're, you get a $60, well, it's not $60, it's free shipping. Free shipping credit with Ron Tremper. Let's go ahead and check out his page, www.leopardgecko.com, and pick out something cool for yourself. All right. Well, before we get started, folks, I just want to thank all of the listeners, all the followers, and, of course, our amazing sponsors. We're going to play the plug right now for the sponsors, and this is some of them, and you'll hear the rest of them at the halfway mark. Um, these sponsor plugs are sincere. These really are great businesses and great breeders, uh, people in the community. Check them out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration. Daryl and Kate Burton specialize in the best super tangelos, pastel raptors, white and yellows, and really nice wild types. Follow them on Facebook at Longhorn Geckos and on their new website coming soon. Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at Expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of GeckoForums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need, from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. That's right, folks, and there's also a standard 5% off discount with uh, AB Dragons, and uh, that code for that is GECKO, all in caps. And our other sponsor, GiantLeopardGecko.com, excuse me, is giving you guys a 20% off coupon until the end of September. Uh, use the code GNR2014 with any of his cool geckos. Uh, Tim, very important question I ask you every time. Uh, if you're new to geckos, if you're new to reptiles, where is the one place online that you just have to visit? 
You have to go to geckoforums.net. That's right. Check this out, folks. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. Herpentime Radio is my inspiration for GNR. Justin and JD do a terrific show every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern and have an amazing archive of shows available for download. Visit them at blogtalkradio.com slash herpentime and on Facebook. Okay, folks, we are back. And, uh, Tim, uh, I made a mistake in the beginning. What is the deal? So Petco is supplied by the Gourmet Rodent, not PetSmart. Uh, so just wanted to uh, correct that. And um, we're going to be okay. bringing Mike on. Uh, Mike Lehman is the new owner and uh, runs the Gourmet Rodent, um, as you said, that they supply Petco. Um, they produce... Uh, Leopard geckos, ball pythons, crested geckos, uh, a f- several colubrid species, and um, and several other species, and we'll we'll uh, talk to Mike about that later on the show. Um, it's great to have him on, and uh, I feel he's really given some back to the community um, by donating his time tonight and kind of letting all the listeners know um, kind of some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes with the gourmet rodent because. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners really have no idea of of how large of an operation uh they are and um and he's also going to talk to us about uh you know some of their daily uh routines and activities of how they run such a large large scale facility. Yes, it's a great honor. I'm going to go ahead and bring on Mike. Mike, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for giving us your time, Mike. It's 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 like I said, it's an honor to have you with us. Uh, Tim and I have a bunch of questions for you. Why don't we start out with uh, Why don't you just tell us about yourself and uh, tell us how you uh, got into herpetoculture? Um, I was real lucky um, to grow up in South Florida. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, 41, so uh, for me, getting into um, getting into reptiles at a, at a really young age in South Florida in the 70s and the 80s, uh, and then on into the 90s. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't think it's a too big a stretch to say that, that Florida um, really was, uh, for a long time, the mecca of the, the reptile industry. So to, uh, to, to grow up around it, um, to be fortunate enough to spend time with uh, um, uh, watching Dr. Haas work down at the Serpentarium, and, and things of that nature, it really just got me hooked. Um, I was also um, lucky enough to grow up in a family where um, they all loved animals. Now, I'm, I'm the only herper in the family, unfortunately, although I will say that um, I have uh, an aunt who, at 66, just uh, two weeks ago, um, took home her first pair of leopard geckos from us. 
So I think we have converse there. <laughs> so, but um, I, I just kind of, uh, you know, I grew up with a passion for animals um, and uh, was lucky enough to um, marry uh, a woman who um, put up with it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, she's been my, uh, my partner in crime for the last 21 years, and, and uh, she's been through everything with me, whether it's been my my love of herps and my, you know, having um, at one point I think that we had um, uh, probably close to 500 venomous snakes in the house to, oh uh, big, to big cats to gators and crocs. I mean, you name it, we've done it, and, and she's been – uh, with me through thick and thin on all of it, and she, uh, you know, she is right there with me every day on this new venture with the gourmet rodent. Um, the gourmet rodents uh, currently located in Newberry, Florida, which is uh, about 12 miles outside of Gainesville. Um, originally, it was in Archer. Um, it's been uh, in operation from, since uh, 1986, um, and. I came on board in 2001. Um, I hold uh, the only dis- the, the distinction of being the only person brought in from the outside that uh, was hired on as a manager. We take great pride with the gourmet rodent uh, at raising homegrown uh, managers. But um, I did come on board in 2001. Um, I told uh, Bill and Marsha Brandt, the owners at that point, that I only wanted to work uh, four days a week. Um, and I only wanted to work, um, I wanted to work less than 40 hours, uh, because at the time my wife and I had our own, uh, wildlife sanctuary as well. Um, and that lasted, um, I want to say probably the first three months. And then I was there every day of the week and, and, uh, you know, working as many hours as, as, as I, uh, as I had to with, along with at the time, um, a really solid management group, um, so uh, I've been with the company for uh, over 13 years. Uh, about uh, in November of of 2011, uh, pardon me, I think back in October of 2011, um, Bill Brandt um, handled the the transition of the company the way he handled most things, very you know, very casually. He just leaned over to me and said, "So you're still interested in buying the company?" And I. I was taken aback for a second and said, yeah, I'm still interested. He says, we should work on that. And we did. And we worked on it for um, two and a half years. And um, we were very lucky that um, for the for the last um, 18 months or so, Bill really started to let us put um, our stamp on it, for lack of a, a better term. Uh, he and Marsha were very supportive and, quite frankly, still are very supportive. And on uh, May 23rd of this year, um, we sat down and uh, signed um, – uh, Betsy and I signed some very sizable loan notes and uh, took over ownership. As of uh, 12.01, May the 24th, Betsy and I have owned the Gourmet Rook. Wow. Congratulations. On that, Mike, that's really um, an amazing feat, and I, you know, I want you to talk a little bit about kind of the scale of that because I believe it's it's unprecedented. I believe it's the first time, um, at least in in this country, that such a large facility has changed hands like that. 
Um, so why don't you talk a little bit kind of of the scale of taking over the gourmet rodent? Yeah. Um, yeah, let me – well, I guess the, the best thing to do would be to give you a little bit of, of uh, your listeners the kind of the scale of the gourmet rodent itself. Um, mm-hmm. Currently, um, we occupy uh, four buildings. Each of those buildings is 14,000 square feet, so we have a total of 56,000 square feet of occupied space. Uh, we also own uh, three one-acre lots. Uh, at the end of our, our commercial park that we're in, um, and we can uh, build on those lots as needed for uh, for expansion. Uh, currently, as of, and I'm looking over at Betsy right now, I think as of Wednesday, our payroll was 83 people roughly. Yeah, we have about 83 people on staff. Um, and um, as far as our animal inventory, um, uh, it, it's it's up there. It's it's probably close to I would say at this point sixty thousand, sixty five thousand animals on the property. Um, you know, as as far as um, the size of the company, um, Chad and and uh, uh, Chad Brown and Rob Markland did a, a, a kind of a history of the of the uh, the reptile industry uh, last year and kind of broke the the um, industry down to tiers. Uh, tier three uh, company would be somebody who's um, doing it as either a hobby out of their house and selling their excess animals or, you know, is, is making a living at it, but maybe just doing it by themselves. Um, tier two would be somebody who uh, maybe has started to, uh, has started to hire on employees and may have up to you know, 20 employees or something of that nature, maybe maybe even uh, as many as, as 30 employees. Uh, and then Tier 1 would be companies that have um, 50 or more employees. Um, to my knowledge, in in the reptile um, trade, um, there are only three companies that size that, that exist anywhere, as far as I know, and that is uh, the Gourmet Rodent, uh, Reptile Industries, uh, which would be Mark and Kim Bell uh, down in Naples, Florida, and then John Mack up in Ohio. So um, what we what we decided to do was buy the one of the largest reptile uh, industry, one of the largest reptile companies in the world. And, and quite honestly, there are three um, tier one companies. Uh, but there's a little bit of a separator there. I would not, um, it's not meant as an insult at all to say that Mark and, and Kim and Betsy and I, our companies are relatively uh, mirror images of each other as far as size and scope, and John's just a little bit uh, a little bit behind us. And that's, quite honestly, that's um, a little misleading because John um, – doesn't do frozen rodents, whereas Mark and Kim and Betsy and I do, and I think that's the real separator. Uh, as far as his reptile um, operation, I think he's pretty much on par with us. Um, but this was the first time that anybody had ever uh, attempted to do this. Um, and, you know, it's... it's uh, well, let me tell you, even if you've done business with a bank, if you walk in and say, um, I need... Um, I need a loan, um, and I need that loan to be 
deep into seven figures. Uh, and the bank says, well, what do you want it for? And you say, well, I want to breed meats of lizards and snakes. Uh, they kind of look at you with a weird eye and say, eh, I don't know that we want to loan you money for that. So um, it made it made the process um, difficult, to say the least. Um, it wasn't um, it wasn't an easy um, it wasn't an easy process. It wasn't a matter of just walking into Bank of America, who, by the way, we the Gourmet Rodent has done business with Bank of America for decades, um, and our local branch um, knows our business forward and backward. In fact, uh, most of the people that work at our local branch in the uh, commercial uh, accounts department have been to the Gourmet Rodent many, many times. Um, but even for them, this was just, um, it was so un- unconventional. The, the, our business mm-hmm. is so so out of the norm that they couldn't make it work uh, going by their conventional means. So we had to get fairly creative with with um, with the financing, and uh, you know, I not really. Uh, I've got some some agreements in place, and I'm not going to go into too much into the financing department of it or aspect of it. But um, I will say that it takes it from you know it, at least once a once a day something will happen and I'll say man all I want to do is breed some snakes and lizards um and I thought that for two and a half years as we went through this this process because you really start to to, to go to that next level and to take the, the 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 step from being just a reptile breeder into um a corporate entity um it it really you have to be you have to get a thick skin you have to be ready to lay yourself bare and let everybody um dig around uh when you start talking about the the types of numbers that we were talking about um people are going to dig and you're going to have to if there's a blemish anywhere there you're going to have to explain what it was um there are going to be um peaks and valleys in the process it's going to be very frustrating there are going to be times where you're just man you're you're just not ready for it um and you know on may the 24th i started getting phone calls and people said well now you're nervous now you should be scared and i, and I thought no i know how to do this it's all that other crap that i didn't know how to do so uh, it was just a it was it was a a an eye-opening process for us um it took forever um we gained and lost um partners in the process um and i think that everything turned out uh honestly for the best i mean that two year process there were times where it felt like it would never actually happen and you you get discouraged but quite quite honestly i think we needed that two years to shake everything out and make sure that all the pieces were in place that 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 we needed to move forward and and to to really take the gourmet road and, um to the next level you know, Mike, that's that's fascinating. And on our on my small scale, I we you know us breeders, I would I would consider myself uh, a small breeder, of course, compared to you. But we kind of consider ourselves mid scale breeders, some of us, because you know if we produce you know a thousand or more geckos a year, you know we consider that above a regular a hobbyist breeder. But um, you know what I've seen on my, even on my small level, where I'm sure you've been at some point in your life is, you know, we experience competition. 
And mm-hmm. when you get into the when you I and I talk to a very well known uh businessman sometimes and he tells me that these what you just described is basically business growing pains that you have to mm-hmm. go through. And you know, when you get to that tier one, you, it seems like you kind of uh, jumped right into it. Um, what is it like competing with other businesses in that tier? Um, is it? I mean, we see some aggressive, down and dirty stuff. I'm expecting that it's not like that in your level; that it's much more sophisticated. What, what can you say about competition at that size? Well, let me let me let me be. Um, well, let me first say. I've been lucky enough that before I moved up here in 2001, um, I was a, a small level breeder. Uh, and when I mm-hmm. came here in 2001, um, we uh, we had about 40 employees, I think, uh, maybe 45. So I've been able to watch the company grow. Um, it's different when you get to the tier one um, level because there's not really – much competition among the three of us uh, because, quite frankly, we serve different companies. Um, You know, of course, we're all pulling for our company to be the company, um, but at our level, um, we tend to work very well with each other. Um, I consider uh, Mark and Kim to be great friends of mine. Uh, I love them to death. I think the world of them. I think that the reptile industry is better for having them in it. Um, and you know, I talk to them both on a, on a very regular basis, and we and we work very very well together. You know, we uh, you know if we have a shortfall, we can go to them and say, hey, I'm short on this. You know, do you guys have it? And they'll you know and they work with us, and and vice versa. Uh, and the same can be said for uh, for John Mack. I think that um, you know John and, and I work very very well together. Um, and it's, um, um, you know, it's a, it's a very good relationship. And quite honestly, I think that John, um, who is donating his time right now to PJAC, uh, on behalf of the reptile industry, I think John should be commended for that. So at our level, there's not a whole lot of competition amongst ourselves. Um, for us, where it really, where it really starts to be an issue is, um, when you're the big guy, there's a lot of little guys down there that want to see you stumble. Um, and that's um, that's to be expected. You know, I, I said to Betsy, um, you know, for 13 years I've worked for Bill, and I've been I've been the guy behind the curtain, and I've been the one who um, allowed Bill to go do what he did so masterfully, which was build relationships and, and things like that. And I've, stayed, I've stood behind the curtain. By buying the gourmet rodent, I'm going to instantly put the black hat on. I'm going to be the bad guy uh, because, you know, for better or worse, people aren't going to understand that I've been here all along. They're just going to see it as some some guy that, you know, walked in off the street, bought the new company, and, um, you know, now he's taking food out of, out of our plate. And Betsy and I have actually heard so many rumors about us um, since we bought it. It's It's not even funny. Everything from... Um, we were, were purposely trying to, uh, well, first, the first big rumor was, um, that apparently we spent again, well into seven figures to buy the gourmet road and just to part it out and, and, uh, sell it off uh, for scrap. Um, I'm here to tell you that that is absolutely not the case. Um, the, uh, the other one that, that, that we hear all the time is, 
but we're just here to put the little guys out of business. Um, and that's not the case either. Um, I, I believe in I believe in the free market. I believe in capitalism wholeheartedly. Um, quite honestly, it serves me. Uh, it doesn't serve me at all to see um, smaller companies go out of business um, for a lot of reasons. Um, those smaller companies that are that are the tier two companies, I buy a lot of animals from them. Even with our sixty, our our, our fifty six thousand square feet and our um, and our uh, uh, all of our animals and all of our infrastructure and everything. We still have a hard time keeping up with the demand. In fact, we don't meet the demand. So I, I need those tier, those tier two companies, in place producing animals, so that I have somebody to turn to when I inevitably fall short. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as the, the tier three guys, none of us want to see the tier three guys go out of go out of the, the industry because those are those are our, our our Dr. Frankenstein's. Those are the guys that are sitting in their room. And they may have 20 snakes, and they're just sitting there thinking, if I put this with this, what's going to happen? Let's try it and find out. And we need everybody all along the way, tier tier 3, tier 2, tier 1. We all feed off of each other. So for us to say we want to see somebody go out of business, that's that's ludicrous. Now, you know, if if... Do you think, though, for one second that means that I'm going to work hard to keep both of us employed? Well, that's a different story. Um, that's that's not my job. Um, but as far as the competition among tier ones, that's and I think that I think that both John and and uh, and I know that because I've talked to John recently. I know, and um, I think both John and, and uh, Mark and Kim would agree that. It's not really a competition amongst the three of us that's the issue. It's it's um, it's this perceived competition between us and everybody that is in the other tiers. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I can appreciate that, and I can also relate to it completely because even at my level and other breeders that are at my level experience that same thing from smaller guys that just want to see us stumble, and they... They come at us quite often, and it's a, you know it's frustrating sometimes, but it also it definitely makes you more of an adult about things, and definitely just changes your thinking. I like what you said about the fact that you guys don't uh, really compete at that level, and you know what? Some people say that competition is good for business. I think cooperation is better for business, and I think that's really cool that you three can work together like that, or at least. Stay out, of, stay out of each other's way, and and be friendly and cordial. That's 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 awesome. Um, you know, you spoke a little bit, Mike, about you know some of these rumors, and one of the rumors that I heard in particular, just in my niche because I'm into you know higher end leopard gecko morphs, is that um, one of one of the one of the rumors is that uh, big chain pet stores are going to be selling some really high end leopard gecko morphs, and that's going to put Breeders like me under pressure of some kind. Um, what, what can you say about that? Well, let me let me first say, um, I, I don't. Um, the the big chain stores, the big box stores, view their customer base differently than um, than you may think. 
they don't necessarily view their customer base as your as the same, as being the same customer as yours. Um, right. They're um, they view their customers as these are the beginning purpose. These are the ones that that are um, uh, you know they're they're getting their first maybe their second animal. Um, they're not somebody who's shopping online. They're not somebody who's um, who's going to shows. Uh, there's somebody who's who has an interest in animals, and they're going to go and pay retail because it's their first animal, and they want to buy from somebody they know, and they know the big box stores, and you know the name, and and they know Petco or they know PetSmart or, or whoever, and and uh, they, you know they know that that those stores will stand behind the product, and and that's who they go for. As far as um, as far as the the morph leopard geckos, I'll liken it to the morph ball pythons. Um, there will be a point with, and and the point is is, is coming now, where you'll see um, the big box stores step into the morph ball python uh, category more than they have in the past. And the reason they're doing that is because the price points have hit. Uh, now on a wholesale level to the point where they can afford to buy them and then and then retail them. Uh, as far as leopard geckos, um, I talked to the uh, the buyers for my uh, particular big brother, as we affectionately refer to Petco, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. uh, and I have not had any push from them to say, hey, I want you to sell us uh, high-end animals. I want you to hurt your business by leaving money on the table so you can sell it to us cheaper, so that we can cut out, you know, all of these other guys. Do they want the best animals on that we can produce for them? Absolutely. Uh, do they want to have the best variety that they can get their hands on? Absolutely. But to say that there's a, a concerted effort by all of the big box stores to get the high-dollar morphs into their stores at a cheaper level. A cheaper price. Um, they, the, the the big box stores, and I'll, I'll speak. I won't speak for the other ones because you know I don't deal with them. But I'll speak for for Petco. Petco understands that in in our line of work, that you know there's going to be the stuff that ends up at Petco that is really nice animals and they're really good morphs and they're really good cart, but something that is a brand new morph or something that is. Um, Something that is 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 uh, new to the market. Um, we don't sell those to Petco right out of the gate because we all look for those uh, those home run balls as a a shot in the arm to the business. So there's no real push there. Um, Petco is um, you know there's there's no real push from Petco to get rid of mom and pop's pet shops. There's no push from Petco to get rid of. Um, you know the independent uh, producers of animals. Um, so this, it's, that rumor, I don't think, holds a lot of a lot of weight at all. Uh, is there competition between the big box stores? Absolutely. Is there competition? You know, I don't want to say that there's. You know, when I say that the, the three tier ones, they, that we cooperate against each other. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, do we want to see? our respective box store do better than the other one? Sure, because that means more sales for us. But as far as, mm-hmm. you know, making an effort to make sure that they get the latest and greatest morphs at 
prices that you guys couldn't compete with. Um, that's that's never ever been brought up to me. Cool. I can sleep better now. <laughs> Mike, before we get uh, too far off the subject, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about um, kind of how you're set up at the Gourmet Rodent with the employees, um, you know, kind of how how it, it all works because it's really, you know, you, you, you mentioned the, the size of it uh, in square footage-wise, but kind of talk about how the individual people work and work together because I – I picture, um, you know, obviously some things have changed since I worked there, but um, it's it's almost like a paramilitary organization, and that's really exactly what you need to function and be successful at what you do. Oh, dare to dream for that kind of precision. Um, the uh, when Betsy and I started, um, you know, as, as I said in the in the the last year um, and a half that Bill and Marsha um, owned. Uh, the Gourmet Road, and they really started letting us um, change things around. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, try and toot my own horn here a little bit without coming off too arrogant uh, and say that um, Bill had me. So when Bill, for the last several years that that he owned it, if he had to go to, you know, Germany or he was flying over and doing stuff with P-Jack or he was going here or there or wherever, he he had that uh, that ability to say, um I'll be back. Make sure the place doesn't burn down while I'm gone. Keep everything going. And he knew that I, I knew every aspect of the operation, and I could do that because I was doing it on a day-to-day basis. So when when we decided to buy the company, um, we realized very early on that if I was going to take on everything that Bill did, um, I was going to have to find my mic. Um, my, my go-to person that was, that's, that's the one who knows everything that we're, we're doing here. The problem, the problem was I didn't have that one person because the company, um, and and Tim is, you know, you probably recall from working there, um, we're very regimented about biosecurity and things of that nature. So people, when they work in the department, that's where they work and that's, that's it. So for us, um, you know, where do you turn? Um, and we had to hit the ground running. There was no, well, I've got 13 years to develop this person. It was pretty much, you know, we need to we need to make this happen now. So what we decided to do was put in a management uh, structure that would not only work very short term for addressing the needs of my mic, uh, it was also uh, it would also work for us long term, and what we decided to do was come up with a tiered management system, and we would have um, directors at the top. Uh, well, obviously Betsy and I at the top, and then directors below us, uh, and then below the directors. And the directors would divide the, the company into thirds, and then um, below the directors would be. Uh, would be department heads, would be managers. And below them uh, would be coordinators, uh, which would be, for lack of a better term, the assistant manager. And we set that up, and and, uh, it took, you know, 
several months and 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 probably close to a year for us to tweak the system a little bit and uh, get it to where we are now, which is uh, we currently have uh, three directors. Um, uh, we have Nicole Cullen, who runs our sales uh, department. She also uh, heads up the Petco account for us, so she handles all things Petco. Um, we have a gentleman by the name of James McQueen, who uh, oversees all of our snake production. Uh, and then we have uh, a uh, woman named Charlotte uh, Lawrence, who um, oversees all of our um, all of our gecko production. Um, and then below them, uh, they have managers for different departments. So James, below him, would have um, the uh, colubrid manager and the feeder rodent manager and the feeder insect manager and the ball python manager. And then below Charlotte, she would have the crested gecko manager and she has the um, uh, leopard gecko manager. And then below uh, Nikki, there is the um, shipping manager, uh, the frozen shipping manager. Um, somehow she got stuck with the maintenance manager. And then... Uh, um, what we refer to as our full-line manager, um, which would be the manager that handles all of inbound reptiles, anything we don't we don't produce in-house. Um, and then below, in between the directors and the um, and the managers, we have a new position that we just created, I think, last week, mm-hmm. and it is uh, it's the uh, um, assistant director, and there's only one of them, uh, and it's, it's a gentleman by the name of Ben Cole. Uh, Ben's been in the industry forever, uh, but what Ben uh, does for us is he helps Nikki out on the sales uh, side of it, but Ben also helps um, uh, his big uh, his, his big task or his, his primary job is to make sure that in all facets of the gourmet rodent, um, we are using our genetics to their optimum uh, potential. Um, whether it's ball pythons or colubrids or leopard geckos, that we're, we are actually um, producing the best animals that, that we possibly can. And, and that's been a, um, from a genetic standpoint, uh, from genetics, uh, I'm not referring to health at this point, I'm just referring to uh, morphs and, and, and such. So um, that's really the um, the management infrastructure. And then we have... Um, we have uh, each manager has a team of people, and, and the size of that manager's team uh, obviously depends greatly on um, how big their, their department is. And um, if you work in the leopard gecko department, that's the department you work in. You don't wander anywhere else. In fact, every department has a color-coded badge, uh, color-coded ID badge. Uh, your ID badge has to be on you at all times. If uh, you're found wandering in a room that you're not supposed to be in or your badge color doesn't match, you're terminated on the spot. Um, and the reason we're that strict about that is uh, for biosecurity purposes and also for theft purposes. Uh, believe it or not, uh, those are, you know, obviously biosecurity in a, in a, in a business our size is a huge, uh, a huge, issue uh unfortunately so is uh so is theft with eighty three employees. Hmm. 
Uh, What would they be stealing, Mike? I'm just curious, only because, um, I mean, I kind of see what kind of animals are being sold at, you know, the retail outlets you distribute to. So what would uh, an employee really want to steal from you? Well, we're, we don't just produce stuff for Petco. Petco is by far and away our biggest customer. Uh, we work mm-hmm. very, very hard to keep Petco happy. But we do um, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, high-dollar morph ball pythons. Uh, we do oh, okay. uh, a lot of different uh, different colubrids that don't end up at at uh, the big box stores. Uh, the last major um, the last major theft that we had was um, we had uh, scaleless leucistic Everglades rat snakes, first ones that we are aware of that ever hatched anywhere in the world. This is a few years back. I want to say it's about three years ago now that we had them hatch. Uh, we had got lucky and had 2.2 hatch out, and uh, uh, one of our former employees was nice enough to uh, liberate a pair of them for themselves, and uh, they basically, all, what they did was they swapped out a pair of normal leucistic Texas rats, so if you walk by the cage, you'd see a white snake in the, uh, in the cage uh, oh, and not man. think anything of it, but it was, you know. So there's there's always stuff like that, and, and you know, it's it's... It's unfortunate because we have a lot of really good people that work really, really hard every day um, to help make our company successful. And Betsy and I are very, very lucky that we have the people that that we do. Um, but there's 83 employees, and yeah. that's you're you're going to have a bad apple um, here and there. And it's yeah. it's uh, it's unfortunate, but it's it's the case. And there's some people that. You have to try and in the in the in the hiring process, you have to look at it and, and and kind of vet these people out because, quite honestly, there are some people that just come to the gourmet road because they look at it as low overhead business. You know, they can, they can come in here and you know walk out with two or three leopard geckos a day. We've got um, we've got our our hatchling room at, at times has uh, sixteen thousand hatchling leopard geckos in it. And wow. you know there have been people that have supplemented their their uh, their income by you know, starting a real low over, overhead business, letting us do all the work, and then they just um, what was the last thing they were doing? They were sticking them in their coke cans. Uh, they were sticking uh, we caught some of them sticking leopard geckos in their coke cans to uh, to walk out of the property with. Uh, so they would you Jeez. know they have their their soda in their room with them. They dump the soda out, push leopard geckos down into their soda can, and that's how they were getting them out of the out of the operation, so it's it's really unfortunate, and I don't and I don't want anybody to think that that you know we have a huge problem with it, but it does happen. Um, yeah. You know, and, and fortunately, again, we're we're very lucky. All of our managers and our directors, I cannot believe how hard these people work for us. It's it's really um, it's really amazing to see how hard they work, um, and and the you know the majority of our of our animal care technicians. Um, are the same way. I mean, it's really, you know, it's it, this isn't coming to work for the gourmet rodent isn't like working at a zoo or working any, you know, it's 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 a production facility. So there's a lot to do and not a lot of hours in the day to get it done. And I'm very demanding on on what I expect from my staff because 
at the end of the day, none of the animals that we have on our property ask to be put in those cages. So it's our responsibility to make sure that we do everything we can and do absolutely the best we can to make sure they get the best care we can possibly provide to them. And mm-hmm. I expect a lot from my staff every day. So given what I expect from them, how hard they work for us is amazing. That's cool. So, so Mike, basically, um, you know, you were, you were talking about uh, kind of the transition with from from Bill to to you and, and Betsy taking over. So, so now, basically, when when you have an issue, you basically turn to Betsy and say, "It's all hers." <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I wish um, Betsy. Betsy, uh, we, we were very when we when we uh, decided to do this um, originally. Um, the ownership was going to be split in fours, uh, in the four, in, into uh, a four-way partnership. Uh, originally, Betsy and I were uh, going to be partners with Bill's son and his uh, daughter-in-law. Um, that partnership didn't work out. I'm uh, I'm a pain in the butt. I'm a hard guy to work with. Uh, you know, I'm I'm you know I try and be a likable guy, but at the end of the day, I'm very demanding and I want things my way. And at, at, at the end of, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know how Betsy, the only reason I've been married for 21 years is because my wife is as stubborn as the day is long. If it wasn't for that, I would be living under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> but, um, so when, when that didn't, um, in August of, of, uh, 2012, I think it was, was it 2012 or 2013. Yeah, you're right. In August of 2013, when the partnership, uh, we we had decided that the partnership wasn't going to work. Um, Betsy uh, and I had to basically divide the company in half, and she take she took over uh, as CFO, um, and she basically she controls the money, which is a good thing. Um, so, and she also handles the HR stuff. So, we have real defined roles. Um, she makes sure that 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 our financial situation stays fluid and that we know where we're at and and we know who we owe and what money's coming in and and, and all of that stuff and she also uh, handles um, a lot of the h r stuff in fact I think the h r is probably the only place we have any overlap uh and then from a sales and operations uh side of the business that's that's really my area so um, you know, it's it, and unfortunately, well, fortunately for her, unfortunately for me, uh, Betsy works out of the house a lot uh, because what she does, um, she needs privacy, and you know, she don't want to have our, you know, you don't want to have all of our banking information just up on a screen where anybody can walk by and see it. So she works out of our home office a lot. So when I'm when I'm mad or I need somebody to blame, she's never around. Um, and uh, <laughs> if. Uh, if uh, if, I, if she hears gets word that I'm too mad, she I'm sure will change the locks in the house. So I I try not to blame her for too much. <laughs> well, so it, it sounds like you guys have it set up just right, um, Mike. Now that we have kind of all that uh, you know nuts and bolts stuff behind us, let's kind of get into some more of the fun stuff. Uh, can you talk about the species and the some of the breeding groups that you guys have set up? Yeah, you know, I'm 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 always happy to talk about that. Uh, you know, that it, it, you heard in Chicago, somebody said that you know you have a great job because you get to work with animals every day, and I said, no, I work with people every day. So anytime I get to talk about animals, I'm 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 ecstatic. 
Um, you know, of course we do leopard geckos. Um, if you if you go back um, to the early part of the of the 2000s and, and you know really into the late 90s, the gourmet rodents leopard geckos were well known and really sought after. And somewhere along the way, we decided that you know a leopard gecko is a leopard gecko is a leopard gecko, and you know Petco was real satisfied with the product we were we were uh, we were selling to them. So. Uh, we didn't put much thought into our genetics anymore. It just became a leopard gecko is a leopard gecko. And for us, that was, um, for Betsy and I, that wasn't acceptable anymore. Um, so we've, we've put a lot of time uh, into, um, into re-energizing our leopard gecko colony and, and making sure that, that we're producing the best morphs we possibly can. Um, you know, as, as uh, uh, Tim, as you know, we, we produced uh, the Lemon Frost um, early last year. And uh, the funny part about that project is it's a great project. It's beautiful. If anybody has, if you guys haven't seen the Lemon Frost, by all means, go to our Facebook page. It's up there. Um, we had all but given up on her. And Wednesday morning, um it was uh, we had actually had a conversation about this. Maybe this morph isn't going to prove out, and we're ready to. Uh, we were actually discussing Wednesday morning um, getting rid of her um, and selling her off. And um, I went home early uh, because it was my birthday, and I thought, well, I'm taking a half a day. And by the time we made it to the house, uh, I was texted a picture of our first lemon frost hatchling. Uh, well, I guess our second, but our first uh, produced from the original female. And uh, you know that was probably the best birthday present I could have I could have received. And then uh, we followed it up on Friday with our second. So um, we're real excited about where we're going with our leopard gecko colony. I, I want to bring our leopard gecko colony back to her its former uh, glory. Uh, crested geckos, I absolutely, we work with cresteds. We have, with without a doubt, the largest colony of cresteds on the planet. Um, I love crested geckos. I think they're just the coolest geckos. Um, so we're, we do a lot of work with cresteds. Um, a couple of years back, we bought Alan Rapache's, um gargoyle colony, uh, and we've uh, we've been working to expand uh, the gargoyle gecko uh, colony. Again, just another really cool animal. Um, on the uh, on the snake side of it, um, we uh, as far as what's produced in house, a variety of species of bluebirds. Um, we do some Asian rat snakes. Uh, we do all of the Ketchulas. We do um, a lot of, uh, you know, the Mex-Mex and the Therize. And, uh, you know, obviously, we do corn snakes as well. Uh, the stuff that I'm, I'm really proud of is uh, we've spent the last several years really uh, fine-tuning our Thayer's, uh, Thayer's King colony. I'm very excited about that. I think we're producing a lot of really cool stuff out of our Thayer's, pure, Thayer, pure uh, Thayer's albinos. Uh, there's no crosses in them. It's actually a pure albino. Uh, it was... Uh, it was a, uh, a random occurrence in, in our uh, uh, Thayer's colony. We're, we're actually working on, on uh, 
putting those back into production. So we've got some some true pure bears. Um, our gray band colony, uh, we've worked really really hard on that. Uh, so I'm very proud of our gray band colony as well. Um, you know, from a more ball python standpoint, um, you know, we breed a lot of ball pythons, but man, how many? How I think everybody would raise their hand if you asked and said, how many people are tired of going to shows and seeing ball pythons? So um, <laughs> the, excite, the excitement for ball pythons for me, there's there's always going to be a demand for ball pythons, and we have, again, not to toot our own horn, we may not have the most diverse collection of ball python morphs. We're not on the cutting edge when it comes to a lot of the morphs, but we probably have, we produce more, more ball pythons, uh, and I can say that with, with a lot of confidence than anybody else. Um will do uh, through the course of the 12-month period. Um, you know, there's we're always hatching out some weird stuff in our ball python. Uh, our ball python colony um, is uh, uh, is new and weird. And, you know, of course, when that stuff happens, you're kind of like, whoa, that's that's awesome. You know, we just hatched out a – it came out of our genetic stripe project, but instead of having a full stripe down its back, it's got two rows going dorsally down and it's got these perfectly spaced spots uh, instead of the stripes. Um, kind of looks like uh, it had some leopard ball in there somewhere, but the reality of it is it's we can't find leopard in the lineage anywhere. Um, you know, so that's, you know, that's kind of cool. Um, what's really fun for me is um, in 2003 when we started the Ball Python Project, it was literally in my office. Um, we had a lot of high-dollar morphs. You know, obviously that's in the early stages of the morph ball python craze, so things were going for tens of thousands of dollars. So uh, my office, my desk actually got moved into the ball python room, and, uh, you know, I, I went to Bill and I said, you know, I'm just I'm not a ball python guy, man. You know, and I'm, I'm stuck in here with them. Would you mind if I started a blood python colony? And he said, no, go ahead, do it. So... Uh, he let me start tinkering with the blood pythons, and uh, because I'm a I'm a bow and python guy by nature, and uh, uh, when um, I was very happy to see when uh, because originally Bill split off the more ball pythons as its own company, and he was going to take that with him after we sold. He was going to sell us everything but the more ball pythons, and um, you know we talked to him, and you know, and he decided he didn't really want to do that, so. We got that company as well, and um, uh, the blood pythons came back into the fold uh, with when we, you know, when we bought that company. And the woman that was running that company for up until uh, um, up until 2013 uh, was a woman by the name of Susan Black. She did a phenomenal job of, of building the more ball python colony. Quite honestly, she did uh, a, a, a really good job of building our blood python colony to the you know and taking it to the next level and i'm I've, those are my babies those are like at, at least once a day you'll find me in in uh in our boa room tinkering around with the blood pythons because that's just that's those are those are my babies and then uh we also do a lot of rainbow boas um we do some dumerals boas uh we do some bcis um i just uh moved a pair of, of uh, olive pythons in there um uh, because I really dig the olive pythons. Um, as far as upcoming projects for us, um, we do a lot of um, we're doing a lot of imports these days. 
we've always imported some uh, West African ball pythons, uh, like everybody does. Um, we all, and we've also always brought in Russian tortoises. Um, but one of the things Betsy and I really wanted to do was, as we um, as we expand the the, the business, um, because we do work with some of the the pet shops and the box stores and, and things like that, um, we can't produce everything. Um, to say that we can produce every reptile skew that that every pet shop and and box store carries is ridiculous. So we have to do. We, you know, we've always had to buy a lot of of um, of uh, wild caught things and, and and such. So what we've done is um, we've kind of started to cut out the middleman and started to do more direct importation now of the animals. And um, honestly, some of the things that are coming in for us now. Uh, we're very excited about not only because not only from a sales standpoint, but for us, it's giving us an opportunity to bring some animals in that we can work with, uh, get them in here, get them cleaned up, and get them set up um, in, in hopes of not having to, uh, or, you know, in hopes of having uh, capped colonies of animals um, and not having to import any in the future. So, uh, you know, as, as time goes on, we'll. You know, hopefully I'll, I'll come back on here and touch base with you as far as well. We've got this going. You know, we've got this project going on on that project. But uh, one of the one of the next things that uh, that we're working on is we're building up different species of chameleons. Uh, you know, so we can start working with with some some of the stuff. You know, everybody's doing bales and panthers, but there's some other stuff that we that we are interested in working with. Uh, you know, uh, aside from the the, the bales and panthers. Uh, we're really we've started uh, to build up uh, some Hamahara uh, uh, geckos because uh, we really like those a lot. Of, you know, I, I you know, Betsy always says I, I don't like an animal unless it wants to kill me, and Hamahara geckos just have that attitude like just leave me alone. So for me, that was a done deal right away. Um, but we have a uh, we have a Madagascar shipment that's coming in. Uh, in a few weeks, and we've got a lot of leaf tail geckos coming in. Um, some that haven't been available because there was no CITES quota form for a while, and now there's some CITES quota. So we're bringing those in. We're bringing a lot of day geckos in and stuff like that as well. So nice, nice. Hey, Mike, we've got to take a, a quick break. Uh, would you mind coming back with us in the second half for some more questions? Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, cool. All right, folks, uh, great interview so far. Hang tight. We'll be back in two minutes. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets, for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making. 
known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his Leopard Gecko Care app, his Morph Encyclopedia app called Leopard Gecko Pro, and visit his site, leopardgecko.com, to see where morphs are made. GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit SupremeGecko.com for his available animals and supplies. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches. Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps, abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. That's right, folks. Make sure you use the code GECKO, all in caps, at checkout for 5% off at abdragons. And, of course, the uh, GNR 2014 with leopardgecko.com for 20% off. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pick the uh, number to see who's going to win the John Scarborough credit for 50 bucks on Gecko Forums, number 1 through 11. Here we go. The winner is number 11. Congratulations, whoever you are. You won 50 bucks uh, credit towards any Gecko with Gecko Boa reptiles. All right, we are back, and I have a good question from Mike. Uh, Mike, uh, number one, I, this is an excellent interview, and I appreciate you sharing this information with us. You know, you were saying that you produce thousands and thousands of reptiles. Now, you know, this lemon frost gecko is really cool looking, and my morph thinking mind, because I'm a morph guy, I'm really uh, heavily engaged in the genetic chess game we have going on with leopard gecko morphs. I'm thinking about all the possible uh ways that you can use that morph into different projects. Have you given any thought to the future of the lemon frost yet, now that you have an idea that you can reproduce it? And where do you, you think you're headed with that? Um, well, to be honest with you, um, no. Until Wednesday, we weren't sure that it was, that it was going to be uh, something we could replicate. Um, and now, you know, now what we've turned our attention to is is basically um, rearing up the babies. And I'm sure that when I get when I get in there on, uh, you know, when I get in there tomorrow morning at uh, at eight o'clock, I'll have um, all three of my directors and and the gecko uh, team sitting there waiting with all of their ideas of how they want to use her uh, or use the animals. What we've actually done, to be perfectly honest with you, is we we have now have two viable babies. Uh, that are both, you know, confirmed lemon frosts. Um, so what we've done is taken uh, the original lemon frost uh, and we've pulled her out of production. Um, and what we're going to uh, give her about a month where we uh, recondition her. She is, by the way, in, in terrific shape, but uh, it's been about a year since she's been cooled down. So we're going to go ahead and take her and uh, recondition her, and then we're going to put her into the cool down uh and uh 
upcycle her and see if we can't get her back online here in a couple of months, uh, producing some mm-hmm. more babies for us, more eggs for us. Uh, as far as where we're going in the future, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. The, the most important thing for us right now is to, uh, to be able to get some of these lemon frosts um, up to size and in production for us and then, you know, quite honestly, to be able to turn them loose to the public. Uh, and uh, and let some of you guys that are you know, I know I know Tim would probably uh, send me a thank you right now if uh, if I uh, send him a lemon frost. Uh, so you know that's, uh, for us we really want to see this uh, get out to the public. So well, what's it going to take to get on the waiting list for uh, a lemon frost? How are you going to distribute them when they're available? Um, we haven't even you know again it was it's kind of one of these things where. Um, they really caught us off guard. We, uh, you know, I, I'm, and this isn't hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating the situation at all. We were, we were literally talking about selling her on, uh, on, on uh, Wednesday morning. In fact, Tim, your name had come up in the conversation of people that we should probably contact if they wanted her. Uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of crappy of me to say that now after we're not going to sell her to you. But um, as far as how you're going to get on the, the waiting list, um, we'll cross that bridge as, as we come to it. I know there's there's several people um, on Facebook that have been, um, you know, our Facebook page um, is is really in the last uh, in the last three weeks uh, seen a huge jump in in the number of likes and people that are following us. So, um, you know, there's there's you know a bunch of people that that have been asking for, um, you know, we'll we'll see how it we'll see when we get to that point, my guess is to be perfectly honest with you, um, we probably won't be releasing anybody to the public, any of them to the public, um, for a while because it's, you know, we have two, you know, well, we have three, but we have two hashtags and, you know, it's going to take us five months to get these guys up to, you know, four and a half to five months to get these guys up to breeder size. And then we got to cool them. And then, you know, so this isn't something that's going to be available probably, my guess is uh, we'll start releasing these guys to the public. Um, we'll have some available, maybe, and this is this is being optimistic, I think, but maybe uh, at uh, Tinley of uh, 2015, so October of 2015, is what we're kind of trying to shoot for. How about if I uh, send you a check for a thousand dollars and uh, you know put me put me up on the list? What do you think? If you want, if you want to, uh, if you want to go on to uh, a uh, a waiting list, by all means, send me a check. I'll put you at the top of the list. Cool. <laughs> I'm gonna think about that. Uh, one more question, though, uh, Mike. I mean, with all these morphs, I mean, with all these numbers that you're hashing out, you know, to think that the o- that the only leopard gecko morph that you've hashed out recently is the lemon frost, kind of is like, well, you know, I'm thinking. There may be more stuff there. Maybe is is it possible? Maybe you've overlooked some morphs, or do you have anything else that you're sitting on that may be a morph that you it, see? It, it it may be possible that we've overlooked some, or it may be possible that I'm just not telling you everything yet. Right. Maybe stuff for a future <laughs> okay. show. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. Mike, I, um, wish I I could say that I that I planned uh, the show for to be you know the the week that you produced uh, two more lemon frosts. Um, but it, it's pretty funny when we spoke on Monday, crazy. and you were talking about, you know, oh, I have no, I have nothing to announce. I have no news on the lemon frost, you know. And then uh, here it is, uh, you know, the date of the show, and and you got uh, 
a lot to talk about. But um, let's go back. Uh, I, re- I remember uh, when I worked there that you were still um, integrating wild-caught blood into um, the the main leopard gecko breeder group for uh, for the pet store geckos. And um, I would say that, that, you know, that was right towards the end of the importation of leopard geckos. Um, and I would say that probably that, that would make your collection one of the most genetically diverse collections out there. Um, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, and, and you're right, it was right at the, the end of, uh, of importation, um, uh, out of, you know, it's uh, not not easy to get things out of Pakistan these days. Um, so um, I would say that we're we're pretty diverse. Um, you know, uh, let's be let's be honest about the leopard gecko. The leopard geckos in the states, though. I mean, you can really, you know, tra- you can track them back to everybody's collection, back to uh, you know, back to Ron Tremper and, and, you know, for certain lines, John Mack. And, and quite honestly, you know, when it was the early stages of the, the tangerines and the caratails, you could trace it back to us. So, you know, there's, there's not a lot of diversity, which is why, honestly, um, we put some thought and, and uh, put our feelers out to see if there's, there was any way we could start bringing in some more wild blood. Um, and uh, that's, that's an avenue that I'm going to continue to explore. Uh, and rest assured, if, if the possibility presents itself to me in a legal manner to get my hands on some wild-caught uh, leopard geckos, um, I will uh, bring in more new blood because I think it's it's uh, at this point in our uh, in the, at this point in, in the development of of leopard geckos, um, I think we're right at that point where we should probably start considering trying to do it. That's obviously easier said than done. Um, but, again, I will keep exploring those those avenues um, and, until I can find a, uh, a legal way to do it. I mean, obviously, I know that there's probably people out there that can get their hands on stuff, but it's not worth risking my, my permits, my licenses, or my business to do uh, unless I can do it in a legal manner. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, about how you have the leopard gecko groups set up in in terms of um, the the breeding rooms and and actual separate breeding groups? Uh, I believe you know. Do you still do like uh, have one cooling while another one is breeding, and then vice versa? And how you control the seasons with with your breeders? Yeah, we we currently have um, we currently have seven rooms. Um, so we have seven different colonies, um, and then each colony is, is broken down to where we have, um, different subgroups. You know, we have our albinos and our snows and our, you know, our patternless albinos and all of that fun stuff broken down into different groups. So there's, um, again, seven rooms. Uh, we keep our animals in 28 quarts. Um, they're, uh, um they're left up for um nine months out of the year and they're they're uh kept at eighty degrees of a they're an ambient eighty degree temperature. We have heat ropes on the back set at hundred and five uh degrees. Um so there's there's a, a hot spot in the back of the cage form. Um they're kept on paper 
with an egg crate as a hide a uh, hide spot. Um, there's mealworms uh, kept in the cage at all times. They're cricket fed three times a week, um, and uh, there's a uh, a nest box full of vermiculite in there. Uh, eggs are pulled three times a week as well. Um, once they're uh, once the males are pulled, uh, we'll purge them for a couple of weeks, and then uh, when it's time to cool them down, uh, we will go in and, and uh, turn the uh, AC down to 62 degrees and um, let them sleep. Uh, we obviously don't feed them during their their brumation. We will go in there and make sure that they have water and, and they're uh, they're the uh, they're serviced once a week while they're in brumation. Um, the way we set our rooms up, if you were to walk into um, into our facility and you're walking to our rooms, um, they're set up in um, uh, RPI panels. They're a, a um, for most of your your listeners, the, the easiest way to, uh, to to explain it would be to say that they're in basically a walk-in cooler. All of our rooms are set up as walk-in coolers. They're um, the roof panels are six inches thick, and the uh, uh, wall the uh, walls are. Uh, four inches thick, and they're aluminum with uh, with foam inside of them. So it's it's foam walls wrapped in aluminum, um, just like you would see in any walk-in cooler. There's a door on the front with a window, and then uh, the uh, chiller unit is the same thing you would find. It's a commercial refrigeration unit, um, and the reason we do that is because um, it is our rooms are absolutely so. Um, Rigid and 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 you know our our temps in the rooms are um, are so important to us that we spend the money to make sure that we can keep them at the temps we want. Um, in fact, if uh, anybody's caught tampering with the thermostat, because um, you'll 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 occasionally have an employee that decides that you know eighty between eighty and eighty two degrees Fahrenheit may be good for the animals, but it'd be much more comfortable for them if they could work in seventy five degree weather. Um, and that employee is sent uh, on his merry little way instantly. Um, but that's um, that's the basics of how we've got them set up. And um, and what kind? Of, you kind of mentioned earlier that you're trying to clean up uh, some of your lines. What what exactly is your strategy, and and what's your end goal with that? Um, the end goal for us, uh, quite honestly, is to um, just get back to the point where we that we used to be, and 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 Bill and Marcia worked um, worked really hard to um, at one point to build our colony to to uh, um, and Tim, you, I mean, when you were there, you you can attest to this. Uh, it, we were uh, we were not only in demand from the from the box stores for our, for our just sheer numbers of production, but individual geckos were in demand from us. And that's the point we want to get back to, is um, making sure that, that not only are we servicing the, the box stores, but that, that breeders and, and the general public alike will still come back to us and, and see us at shows and, and make a beeline over to us to get our stuff because it's the best quality stuff on the market. Now, as, as far as cleaning up, cleaning up our, our, our genetics, um, we, we had a manager about goodness started back with us in 2007, I think. 2007, he came back to us, and he really was the um, he was the first one 
to make the decision that a leopard gecko is a leopard gecko is a leopard gecko. And this was not at, at my behest or at Bill's uh, behest. And, in fact, at that point, um, he was my equal, so I couldn't do anything about it. And he really um, he pulled the wool over everybody's eyes and would throw out production numbers. But what he wasn't telling everybody was he was just mixing lines. Um, and, and you know, he would breed, you know, if he had a, if he had a spare male that was just a, you know, just a normal male, he would breed that to a hodgepodge of different more females. Um, and it was hard for us to track genetics. So what we've, what we've had to do over the last couple of years is go back and, and try and line breed, um, our different groups to make sure that we're, that, that we're sure of the genetics. I don't, I won't sell anything to anybody. Um, you know, I won't sell you a raptor unless I know that's what it is. I know that's what the genetics are in that animal. I don't want to sell anybody something that I can't sit in front of you and say, I know, or more, more accurately, my staff knows the genetics on this animal. I don't want to, I'm not that guy. I'm not just out to, to make the quick buck. My reputation is very important to me. So if I'm selling you something, I want to be able to say, I know what the genetics are. And if I can't say that, I'm not going to sell it as anything other than here's a nice pet leopard gecko, which is fine. Hey, Mike, that's a good, that's, yeah. Let me just jump in for a second here. I want to know who that guy's name is because I get about 50 emails a week uh, from people <laughs> buying geckos at Petco, and they're asking me, Dave, what morph do I have? And I've spent, if I could add up all those emails that I've responded to, it's probably a year of my life already. So I want to meet this guy. I want to find him. <laughs> you know, you know Where the, do I the, get funny, the funny yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, we, hopefully, we'll never uh, we'll never have to deal with that person again. And, and to be honest with you, that guy's not a he's not a herper. Um, he went to school, got his his degree, and came back. And and and, and you know, devil his due, he came back and he did what he was supposed what he what he was asked to do, which was produce large numbers of leopard geckos. Uh, and, right. and he did that. The, the problem was it came at a cost. And, uh, and believe me, I feel the same emails that you do, but I, here's what I also see on, on the forums a lot. Ha, 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 I bought this morph at, at Petco. They didn't know what they had, and I got a really good deal on it. And that's where the rumor starts that, you know, the, that the box stores are trying to put you guys out of business by getting all these new – they're not trying to put you out of business. They just got a mutt animal that, that you know, that we produced um, – and sent to him, and I hate to use that term mutt, um, but it's that's that's what yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's, it's an animal that yeah. you know that that's genetics aren't aren't pure. Um, I couldn't tell you what it is. Now I I'll also give the devil his due um, because he did so much of that just breed everything to everything. He's probably the reason that I'm sitting on the lemon frost right now. The problem mm-hmm. is. Now I had to do all the backtracking to try and figure out where the hell it came from in the first place so that we can try and reproduce it. So, but it's, it's you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's that kind of, that's what I mean by we're going to, we're trying to clean it up. I, I'm, I'm trying to clean it up. And, and by the way, let me, let me also say this. None of this should be taken as a slight towards Bill and Marsha Brandt, the previous owners of the Gourmet Road, because quite frankly, um, 
well, first, they are, I, I introduced them to everybody. In fact, my aunt and uncle's a, the uh, the converts on the on the leopard geckos. Uh, in fact, they're listening to your show right now, Peggy and Rick Whippy. They uh, they um, oh, cool. I introduced them to um, I introduced them to Bill and Marsha as uh, this is Bill and, and Marsha. They're my sur- my surrogate parents, and I feel that way. I feel like Bill and Marsha really are my surrogate parents. But if you take that out of the equation, um, Bill and Marsha really are pioneers in this industry. Um, those two, along with Mark and Kim, were the ones that went, we can make a living doing this. This doesn't just have to be a hobby. We can make a living doing this. And they and they did that. And then they thought, you know, they they thought, wow, not only can we make a living out of this, we can make an industry out of this. And they did. And that's, and that's there's something to be said for that. But... Um, Absolutely. But... From a from a genetic standpoint, unfortunately, Bill relied on a couple of people um, that he shouldn't have relied on, and that's that's not a slight towards him. That happens to people. I mean, that happens. You trust people, and you and you want them to, and you assume that they want the same thing you do, and if you give them too much too much line, sometimes they don't hang themselves; they hang you, and. Um, from a genetic standpoint, that's what happened here. So uh, we were able to have somebody come in, a young lady named Nicole Council. She came in, um, and she stepped up to the plate, and she really started working to try and clean up the uh, the genetics. Uh, she uh, left us to go back to school and move back down to South Florida, with, and uh, I understand she's doing very well now. But when uh, she left, uh, a young lady by the name of Charlotte uh, Lawrence, uh, she stepped in, and she's uh, she's taken it to even another level. So, uh, again, the whole goal is is not necessarily to um, get us to a point where we are the cutting edge of leopard geckos. That that is a goal. I would like to see that happen. But more importantly to me is that we get back to the point where. People want the gourmet rose and leopard geckos because they know they're getting quality leopard geckos and because they know that whatever is on that, if you come to see us at a show and it's on the cup or, you know, you buy something from us online and, and you see something there, you know that what we're telling you is the genetics of that animal is, to the best of our knowledge, the genetics of the animal. Um, and I think that we're, I think we're at that point. That's cool. Well, at least people that are buying them will know what they're getting. I, I understand. And, you know, I, I honestly, Mike, I'm not really complaining because for every person that contacts me or another reader or actually us, you know, what morph they have, you know, that's that's a potential customer for us down the line too. Uh, that's a new contact and a new lead. And another it's another person that's coming into the world of herpetoculture. So, you know, it, it, I understand this from all the angles. So I can appreciate it for what it is, and I, like you said, it's what got you to where you are now, and more get more leopard geckos out there, and more geckos actually is great for herpetoculture. So you know, it just I'm hoping that herpetoculture becomes mainstream one day. Do you do you see that happening, or do you think um, you? I mean, so far the gourmet rodent has played an important part of getting us getting herpetoculture in the industry to where it is now. Do you see it? Do you see us ever breaking into the mainstream? And if so, what would be your part in that? 
Um, I, well, first off, I think it's naive to think that we're not already part of the mainstream. Um, I, yeah, I think that, okay. that I think that. Um, well, look I, again. Um, I've been lucky enough uh, to be around reptiles and animals my entire life, um, and you know, and, and uh, you know, not, again, not to date myself, but but I'm 41, so I've seen the industry go through a, a hell of a lot of uh, transition, and. When I was a kid, um, you know who was into reptiles when I was a kid? Boys that were able to go out in their backyard and catch them. And then most boys outgrew it. And when you, the only people that really stayed in it were bikers and outlaws and the fringes of society and smugglers and all that other, all the other fun stuff were, you know, our, our industry, which I am passionate about. I love our industry, but it doesn't have the cleanest of roots. Now, no, when, you go to a, when you go to a reptile show now or you talk, you see a reptile customer, it's a different demographic. It's, there's, there's, not only is it, is it is, and, and, and I'll, I'll even say it this way, and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, your, your, your listeners will understand uh, that, that I mean no disrespect by this, but, but in the beginning of our industry, it was white males. That was it. And we've mm-hmm. we've been lucky enough to watch our industry grow to where not only is it gender diverse, but it's culturally diverse. You, you know, we've got we've got we've got we've got clients and customers, and we all have them from every every ethnic background, every every sex, every part of the world. We we have a huge huge. Industry, the reptile industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry worldwide now, and it's to say that we're not mainstream. I think is is part of the problem. Well, let me think that we're still on the fringes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. What what I really mean is, you know, when 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 it comes time, especially for to deal with legislation type issues, you know, I've heard I've heard it said that we get the same. We're we're preaching to the same twenty thousand dedicated uh, herpers at the, always. It's always the same twenty thousand. We never we have there's millions and millions of households with reptiles, but they're casual owners. I'm I'm talking. When is it going to get to the point where not only is it accepted and it's not it doesn't scare the public like it kind of does still. When is it going to? I guess maybe I'm not clarifying myself, but you know where I'm going with this. Like when is it going to be? Yeah, I can universally I can see where you're... accepted. Well, let's yeah. let's let's first off say that yes, there there are millions of homes in the U.S. Um, that have reptiles in them, and most people that keep reptiles, the vast majority of those are not hardcore herpers; they're casual mm-hmm. owners. And I agree with that statement completely. But there are millions and millions of of uh, people in this country that keep dogs, but they're not hardcore dog breeders. The, the, thing that yeah. we, the thing that we have to understand about our industry is, and from a legislative standpoint, and, I'll, and I'll, I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox here. From a Go legislative ahead. standpoint, what we, have to, what we have to understand is we're under attack on a daily basis, a daily basis. And unfortunately, the, the reason that these these – well, these, these, these different entities that don't want us to do what we do 
whether it's breed or keep reptiles, the reason they keep gaining ground is you touched on it. It's the same people that 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 answer the call, that answer the bell. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's a problem. That's a huge, huge, huge problem for us. Until mm-hmm. we understand that it affects all of us, and we're all guilty of it. You know, there could be a law that, in fact, there was a, a law that just went through in Virginia, and I actually heard somebody, or you know, was on the on the ballot in Virginia, and I heard somebody say, "Well, that's Virginia. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me." Bull. No. It affects all of us. Every law yeah. that that's passed, every piece of of legislature that is passed, affects every single one of us. Every one of mm-hmm. us. And let me let me tell you, the. You know, when at the end of, I forget whether it was 2011, 2012, whatever, left over in the war chest for PETA, left over in the war chest for PETA was, I believe the number I heard was $30 million. That was $30 million they couldn't figure out what the hell to do with. PJAX, who is, you know what PJAX operating budget is a year? I believe it's $1.5 million. That's what they have to pay their staff with. That's what they have to fight laws with. That's what they have to drum up, you know, the, to do fundraisers with. That's that's embarrassing. We should all, every single one of us, myself included, be embarrassed that our that our lobbying entities, USARC, PJAC, all the people that are out there fighting for us, have to struggle so mightily and have to beg so hard to get us as an industry to step up and say, here. Here's my, here, I'm going to help. Here's my donation. Here's my time. Here's whatever I can do to help. Here's my letter to my congressman and my senator. Here's my voice. And, and until we stop being divided and think, well, that doesn't affect me, or that's not that law doesn't pertain to me because I don't breed big constrictors, or that law doesn't pertain to me because it's not my state, until we stop fighting amongst ourselves, until we stop allowing ourselves to be so easily divided, these people will continue to keep gaining ground. They will continue to win. They will continue to endanger our industry and, quite frankly, our way of life. This is not only my passion. This is how I put a roof over my head. This is how I feed my family. This is how a lot of us, this is how 83 people that I employ feed their families. This is how hundreds and thousands of people around this country make a living. And it is in danger because we allow it to be, because we don't speak up, because, well, we either play the the role of the ostrich and stick our head in the sand and hope it will go by, or we don't want to speak up because we're afraid the government's going to look at what we're doing. Well, if you have to worry about the government looking at what you're doing, maybe you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. We need to stand together, united, and say, no, enough is enough. If you don't want to have reptiles in your house, don't buy them. You don't want to. You don't want to be around reptiles. You aren't welcome in my house anyway. We have to stand together. Give to PJAC. Give to USR. Give your money. Give your time. Whatever you can do to help these these entities who, quite frankly, field thousands of 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 issues for us every year. Do they always get it right? No. They don't. And I know that there's people out there that are mad at PJAC. PJAC made a bad, well, uh, not, let me let me restate that. PJAC made a controversial appointment 
Do they always get it right? No. You know, uh, a couple of months back, Mark and Kim Bell and, and, and Betsy and I had, a, had an issue with the FDA. Mark and Kim, unfortunately, had it worse than we did um, by far. Did, did USARC and PJAC get that one right? No. I don't believe so. Will they make that same mistake again? I don't think so. I think they'll get it right. Nobody gets it right mm-hmm. all the time. But they're the ones doing the work for us every day to try and make sure that our way of life, our passion, our hobby, our love is protected. And we need to do our part. Democracy isn't free, folks. You want to, you want to continue to be able to do what we do and have the animals we love having? You need to start stepping up the, to the plate, putting your voice and your money where, where your heart is. You're absolutely right. I say it all the time on the show, Mike. I say if we wind up losing this, losing this, it's because we deserve to, because we didn't do anything to protect it. And I also, I try to find the good in everything. And I think some of this pressure is good to make us earn herpetoculture. We need to earn it. And hopefully I think it will unite people. And I think it, it does happen. It's just, it, it's growth, but it's not, it's not huge growth. It's slow growth where people are starting to wake up and, uh, you know, anything I can do, I'm going to do to raise awareness. I mean, that's what—that's my tool right here with the radio show. I'm going to raise awareness and give people their due to speak about this and anything I can do. What, what else can we do, Mike, from your perspective? And what does the gourmet rodent do uh, to help uh, the situation? Well, well first off, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll say this, anything you should be willing to fight for anything you're passionate about. If you won't fight for your passion, you're not that passionate. Um, right. And as far as what we do, uh, we support both PJAC and USARC, um, both financially and, and we, we uh, donate our time. Bill Brandt sat on the board of PJAC for over a decade. Um, and I, I personally, uh, anytime I get a chance to, um, to uh, help USARC at the shows, doing fundraisers and things like that, we do. Um, I'm currently... Uh, with a lot of people, PJAC has put together a, uh, a herb committee um, with some of the key players in the industry, and I'm, I'm sitting on that uh, committee as well. The, the very first thing that everybody needs to do that's listening to the show, and I don't know how many people you get on a regular basis that, that listen, but the first thing that you need to do when, you, when you're done listening to this, to this uh, broadcast is you need to go become a member of USARC and go become a member of PJAC. And you'll start to get newsletters and updates. And, and when you get those newsletters and you get those, those updates, respond to them. Send a letter. Let, people, let the people that are making these decisions know that we have a voice. Let them know that we're not going to be railroaded. We're not going to let you just make laws without us making noise. And that's what you have to do. You, they have to know. Here's the thing. It's the same thing with, with any, any part of this country. The very small percentage of people influence the laws that are made. And that small percentage of people are the big mouths that show up. And in our, in our case, it's PETA and, and, and HSUS and uh, the, the, the uh, AWL or whatever, the Animal Welfare League, whatever the hell it, you know it is. Um, they show up, and they've got big mouths, and they'll scream at the top of their lungs. And they'll act like crazed dogs to get their way. And what do we do? Well, you know, I don't really want 
want to draw attention to myself, that time's over. That that If we want to keep doing what we're doing, the time where we can be pacifists and we can just turn our cheek and, and look the other way and hope that it goes away, it's gone. It's over. Yeah. We've lost you. We've lost big constrictors. They're gone, and they're not going to come back. You know, and that, look, do I, honestly, do I think a 12-year-old kid should be able to walk in without a parent and buy a Burmese python? No. I think it's stupid. No. But if if a 25-year-old wants to walk into into a pet store and buy a Burmese python, do I think he should have the right? Absolutely. But it's gone. Mm -hmm. And it's never, it's not coming back. And it's gone because the vast majority of herpers let it happen. We have yeah. to start standing together and letting the lawmakers know we're your constituents. We vote. We're the ones that are going to get out here and make the biggest noise, the biggest amount of noise that we possibly can. Our money counts too. Our tax dollars count too. Our voice and our vote counts. And if you may, if you vote, if you vote against us, we're going to unite against you. And that's the that's what we have to do. We got to stop all this BS bickering amongst ourselves, and we have to let all these petty grudges. And, and if you've been in this industry long enough, somebody hates you or dislikes you or is pissed off at you for something you've done, and that's okay. Oh, yeah. Keep that, keep that petty grudge. Keep being pissed off at me. But understand that at the end of the day, the herb community is a family, and it needs to be a tight knit family. We can fight amongst ourselves. We can be mad at each other, but outsiders. And people that are trying to take away our way of life, you got to know that you're going to face all of us as one united uh, entity. And the only way to do that is to support the people that are on the ground doing stuff for us. Go join PJAC. Go join USARC. When you get their newsletter, if for, if for no other reason, if for no other reason, just to get dates in the newsletters so that you know where your voice is needed, so that you know where you have to send your letters, where you have to send your complaints, where you have to where you have to show up. You know, there's laws being made all the time where we call people up and there's there's tag meetings and there's you know, there's there's legislative meetings and they're boring and they suck and they're just you know, if you sit through them you want to shove things into your ears just to make it stop. But it has to happen. It's important. If it, yeah. if we don't sit through those and if we don't speak up our way of life is going to go away. And that, folks, is not at all hyperbole. That's not blowing smoke. That's not an exaggeration. That's what's going to happen because there's a lot of people that don't agree with our way of life. And if we don't stand up for it, nobody else is going to. Mike, it's great to hear your passion about this subject. And um, they've they've recently did a show, you know, specifically about this. Um, I just and I think it's great that you keep in touch and you're, you have such a good relationship with some of the other large breeders in this industry to keep abreast on what's going on and keep information flowing um, to uh, to keep everybody in in line and, and working together. Um, I just like to get to um, you know we're getting towards the end of the show. I wanted to make sure we touched on something. Uh, before the end of the show, um, I often see posted on Facebook or posted on other sites um, people that see, you know, sick or emaciated animals in, in places like the big box stores or in pet stores. And I'd like you to talk about what you would recommend a person that witnesses something like that 
do and what's what's the right decision to make in that in that occasion well let me let me say this and i and I think this is true of all um all pet shops and 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 all big box stores and all um all reptile keepers in general or most i you know, most reptile keepers in general i've I've met some winners out there. But I think the vast majority of people, whether you're working in a pet shop or you're working at a big one of the big box stores or you're you're keeping reptiles at home, I think the vast majority of people want to get it right. They want to do the right thing. Um, the problem is a lot of times um, with any large business where you have thousands of employees, getting information disseminated and getting people trained becomes an issue. Um, if... You, if you go into any pet shop, um, whether it's a big box store or not, um, and you see an emaciated animal, you absolutely should speak up for that animal. Um, does it happen? Absolutely. Uh, and I will speak for um, Petco, for for our big brother, when I say um, they work real hard to get it right. They spend a lot of money to try and get it right. Um, and we've We've seen these, you know, we've had people send us uh, these photos. We've seen them on Facebook. And if I see them on Facebook, I'll, you know, I'll, uh, you know, forward them over to, to the folks at the at the, uh, the National Support Center. Um, if I see, um, you know, or, or if if, it, if uh, we're out and about and we see them in one of the stores, you know, we'll, con- we'll contact the, the NSC again directly. They spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying and get it right and they do care um this isn't a this isn't uh and and the same could probably be said for for pet smart i you know again i can't speak to that because i don't know it uh i don't deal with them so i don't know that to be you know fact but i would i would guess that it's probably the same at pet smart as it is at petco they care they want to get it right um it's not it's not um just you know a, a lot of times people look at that big box stores as evil and they're just a giant corporation and there's no soul there and they don't care and it's all about the money and it's all and I can tell you that that has not been my experience with Petco. My experience with Petco is they want to get it right. They want to do right by the animals. Um they have uh, a gentleman who is their head veterinarian his, his name's uh Dr. Tom Edling. I have a ton of respect for the man. He will make tough decisions that are not corporate decisions um, to make sure that the animals are cared for properly. The the proper thing to do, if you're in a if you're in a pet killer or a pet smart and you see an animal that is obviously uh, in distress, um, you need to first and foremost contact the store manager and say this is what's going on in your store. This, this animal is, is not right. It should not be on the floor. Hopefully that manager is going to um, address the issue. If, you know, he doesn't, um, well, let me let me take it back. Even if he does address the issue, you need to call the, the, the corporate number for either of the stores, either of the chains, and let them know, hey, this is this is what's going on in your store. Your manager didn't do his job here. He's he's failed. And I promise you, 
that either one of those box chains is going to step up to the plate and say, this is, this is not a value we hold. We will, we will make changes. We will get this right. And they will work to get it right. I, I have every confidence. Does, does it happen in the stores? We all know it does, yes. Um, does it just make me mad? Absolutely. When I see that, I, I, I think, you know, who the hell could see this in a cage and not know that this is, that there's something wrong here? But when I, when I pass it along to, through the proper channels, I know that it will get taken care of. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I've seen it happen. I've watched them work very, very, very hard to make changes. This is, Petco is a company, they have an entire department of people that is referred to as their animal welfare department, and that's all they do, is is constantly update new methods and new ways to take care of their animals to the best of their ability. They will work very hard to get it right, but you should absolutely, first and foremost, alert the manager that's in that store, and then whichever company it is, you need to call their corporate offices and say, I was in store, whatever, I was in the store in Butte, Montana, and I saw a leopard gecko, or a fish, or a bird, or a ferret, or whatever it was, and this animal was just not healthy, and it should not have been out on your floor. You need to take care of this. And I promise you, I promise you that they will take care of it. They will get it right. Whether it's PetSmart or Petco, I can say that with, with without question. I think they will get it right. That's, that's good to know. It's uh, it's got to be really hard to to manage all that. I, mean, I, I agree, Mike. I think eventually they'll get it right, and it's tough to see sometimes. And even in Gecko Nation, you know, we do get the posts and we help people deal with them um, the best we can. So I, there's there you have it, folks. Instead of always, you know, deciding to buy the animal, I mean, it's your it's your money. But first thing you should do is definitely, like he says, alert management to the to the problem. Um, well, let me well, let me also come... say that they shouldn't. I wouldn't buy the animal. You don't know. You don't know what's. I wouldn't buy that yeah. animal because that animal is obviously ill. And if you have other animals at home, you could be taking whatever that animal has back to your colony. So Some I people just can't help it though. They you know oh, they, I, their I, heart goes out and they you know. I, I believe me, I, I understand. I, I completely do. And again, that's not I that is not a value that either of this, the the two box stores um uh, hold. Uh and I don't think it's a value that 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 a pet shop uh, you know, most most pet shops would hold. So and just be aware that both that everybody wants to get it right and sometimes we fail. Um and it's sad that it's on public display when it happens, um, but it does happen. Animals get sick. Animals get thin. Um, when you're talking about a when you're talking about a chain that that has in in both cases almost 1,300 stores for both of the big box chains, and both mm-hmm. of them carry multiple leopard geckos in every store. So you know you're you're talking you could you could very easily have 10,000 or or you know. Or, or so leopard geckos in each one of the chains at any one time. Could you find some sick animals in that group? Probably. Law of averages, probably. But they want to get it right, folks, and if you just just 
go through the proper channels and, and make them aware, that's the biggest thing you can do. You know, if you feel the need yeah. that you have to buy that animal, absolutely buy that animal. But at the end of the day, buying the animal is going to help that animal. What you really want to do is, is raise the awareness level at the stores uh, and at the, at the corporate level so that they understand that there's a problem in that store. And there's, some, there's at the very least, there's some remedial training needed. Mm-hmm. That's it, training. Yep, that's the key. If the employees know how to properly care for them, they'll, they'll be able to spot issues before they become a, you know, a big problem. And, uh, yeah, that, that's important. Well, Mike, we are coming to the end of the show. Number one, I seriously want to thank you for giving us your time. Uh, it's really been just a phenomenal interview with you. And um, at this time, I'd like to offer you the chance to leave us with any closing remarks and also to uh, give out your information so people can find you out there. Well, you know, thank you for having us on, on and uh, and hopefully we've, we've helped in, uh, to uh, maybe enlighten people a little bit about what we do, um, you know, and, and uh, I'd be more than willing to do this again. I, you know, I had a good time. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, You're welcome. Right now, our... Our, uh, our our website is under construction, but by all means, um, go to our Facebook page and keep up with us on Facebook at, you know, the Gourmet Rodent. Um, we'll, uh, you know, things will be, uh, uh, you know, we've, we're posting every day on there. There's something going on there all the time, contests and what have you, giveaways, and, uh, you know, you'll find out uh, where we're going to be at as far as shows go. Uh, in fact, uh, I, uh, pardon me, uh, um, this coming Friday, uh, we'll be in Arlington setting up for the uh, NARBC show there. So uh, just go to our Facebook page, and you'll be able to keep up to date with us. Awesome. Okay, guys, I put the Facebook page linked in the chat room, too, so you guys can grab it from there. But I'll also uh, post it on our Facebook page. Um, again, Mike, thanks a lot. Tim, you want to wanna say anything? Yeah, again, thanks, Mike. Um, but also I'd like to say um, tonight Mike has generously donated a $100 gift certificate that we'll be giving away. So uh, keep, in, keep in touch and uh, keep track of the Gecko Nation radio uh, Facebook page. Um, and Mike has also generously donated three T-shirts that we'll be giving away. Um, Mike, uh, just before we sign off with you, I'd just like you to talk a couple minutes about kind of where you'd like to go with the Gourmet Road, and what what will we see in the future uh, for the company? Um, the the next big evolution for us is is getting um, getting the Gourmet Rodent drug into the 21st century. Um, Bill and Marcia never really cared about having a, a web presence or anything like that. And I know I know in this day and age it's kind of silly to think that there's a company our size and we don't really have a web presence but um that's that's the next big thing but you know they're spending a lot of time and money getting the uh the best website built we possibly can uh where we see the company going um quite honestly is um expanding um expanding the, the number of species that we produce um captively uh we want to produce captive wherever we can um you know obviously it's naive to think that we'll be able to to uh, do away with all of the wild caught stuff that that um, that we need, uh, at least in the very short term. Uh, but that is our goal: uh, to keep expanding, keep growing, keep uh, um, keep adding species uh, that that we can captive produce. Um, and where I uh, where I see the company growing or going is uh, we're we're 
currently expanding into uh, some dry goods as well, so we'll start putting out some some dry good lines here uh, over the course of the next 12 months. Um, and hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully, what we're doing is building a, a, a stronger uh, a stronger company that will represent our industry very very well uh, moving forward um, for years and years to come. Um, we uh, we love this industry. We love the people in it. We have a blast doing what we do. I have the best job in the world. I, I swear I get to go to work every day with a bunch of really cool people and a bunch of really cool animals. Um, so hopefully um, in the future that will just continue and we'll just uh, we'll continue to grow. Um, and we'll stay in touch because, like I said, we've got, we've got some real exciting stuff on the horizon. That's cool. All right. Well, you're welcome back anytime, Mike. You have an open invitation. We'd love to have you. Well, I'll tell you what. Anytime you guys want me on, just uh, just you you have my contact information. Um, I'm uh, I'm getting old and senile, and I'll forget to uh, to call you guys. So anytime <laughs> you want me on, by all means, just uh, give me a shout, and I'll uh, I'd love to sit down and talk to you guys some more. Awesome. Sounds cool. All right. Great. Good luck with everything that you're working on over there. All right, guys. Thank you. All Thank right, you, have Mike. Good night, Mike. Take care. Bye bye. Wow, Tim. I don't know, man. That was an enlightening interview. I I just, I don't know. I'm kind of like still trying to take it all in because, you know, in, I'll be honest with, with you. In the beginning of the show, I was a little nervous, too, about, uh, you know, producing, you know, crazy leopard geckos. And I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, he's got enough to worry about with his own, uh, with his own business there that I'm, I'm not worried about you know, leopard geckos in my bracket and, and, you know, breeders in my bracket having an issue. What do you think? I think uh, what it comes down to is that basically, you know, he's a herper just like us. And, uh, you know, the difference is that not only uh, does he live and breathe it just like all we do, but he has an army of people that he employs to, uh, to keep his company going and, um, and it's really to, cool to hear, you know, some of his plans for the future. Um, we just touched mm-hmm. on, you know, very, you know, we kind of breathed over a lot of the subjects when, you know, many of the questions that we asked we could do entire shows on. Um, oh, my God, yeah. But, uh, I wanted, to, I wanted to hear how he feeds everything. I forgot to ask that, but, you know, I, I was asking other questions, too. You know? Yeah, we could, we could get more in-depth and uh, kind of get, now that now that everyone has an idea of of the the scope and size of of the gourmet rodent, we could get more in depth on on a particular subject uh, the next time we have them on. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Tim, you put this interview together. So, number one, I want to thank you very much for that. Uh, it, I think it went excellent. I'm just uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it as soon as we uh, as soon as we go offline. I'm gonna listen to it again. <laughs> I think it's that good. Um, also, I want to remind everybody that, yes, we do have some prizes to give away. All right? Uh, keep an eye on the Gecko Nation Radio Facebook page. Uh, maybe we'll even do something in the group, Gecko Nation. Uh, if you're not a member, become a member today. Go on Facebook, join Gecko Nation. Uh, all right, Tim. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up, man. Is there anything else uh, you want to say before we go? Uh, just uh, for everybody to uh, get ready for another good show uh, next weekend. We have uh, absolutely another great show lined up for everybody. That's right. Don't be there at B-Square, folks. 
All right, Tim, I'm going to let you go, and uh, I'll uh, play the outro. I'll come back with my closing remarks, and I'll play a song uh, to take us out. All right, have a good night, everybody. All right, later, Tim. All right, folks, here is the outro, and I will be right back. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks. I just want to thank all my listeners, uh, everybody that was in the chat room tonight, and, of course, my co-host, Tim, uh, did a great job tonight. Thank you all for the support of the show. Uh, thank you for making Gecko Nation Radio a global success. Uh, I've been rejuvenated. We have some great ideas in the future, and we're going to be taking GNR up a few notches very soon. So stay tuned for, for some exciting things. Uh, in the meantime, folks, uh, keep an eye on Facebook and uh, be here next week for another great episode. Thanks, everybody. And uh, before I go and before I play the song, I just want to thank my sponsors. Number one, Dale's Bearded Dragons has been with us since the beginning. They are the biggest and best supplier of reptile supplies at all the Northeast Expos and coming soon online. Dale's Bearded Dragons is now selling FlexWide heat tape and FlexWide, of course, is the inventor of heat tape. It's still the most safest, most advanced, most durable, and most energy-efficient heat tape in the world. If you doubt that, go ahead and test it out yourself. Buy some of our product, buy some of the competitor, and you'll see for yourself. Also, of course, abdragons.com. Abdragons is the best supplier of dubia roaches in the U.S., best-fed dubia that you can get for the money definitely check out abdragons.com. Use the code GECKO, all in caps, at checkout for 5% off. Gecko Boa Reptiles, uh, John Scarborough, one of the best breeders in the U.S. of wild-type uh, subspecies, uh, rare uh, species of gecko, and some really nice morphs specializing in tangerines, white and yellows, uh, really cool uh, geckos, bells and stuff. Definitely check out geckoboa.com. Supreme Gecko, Lolly Kern. Uh, working on all kinds of cool day geckos, crusties, uh, little tiny micro geckos, some rare species. Uh, and he's got supplies and food for a lot of his animals, too, that you can buy online at supremegecko.com. Check out ohiogecko.com. Thad Unkeffer also runs geckoforms.net. Uh, two great things 
Ohio Gecko and Gecko Forms. Definitely check out Thad's Tangerines, his Snows, his signature Fat Tail Morph Starburst, uh, all at OhioGecko.com. And, of course, if you are feeding your reptiles and your insect-eating herps, you're going to want to feed them the best worms possible. Make sure you use rainbow mealworms. Not only are they the best priced, but Jillian, the owner, is a doll. She does so much for the reptile community. It's not even funny. Uh, RainbowMealworms.net is the best place to go to get your mealworms and your supers and other insects. Uh, Of course, if you are a breeder and you're starting to ship animals in the U.S., you're going to want to ship them at the best rate and with the company with the best customer service, and that is Reptiles Express. Check out ReptilesExpress.com. Ask for Debbie if you are new to shipping, and she will talk you through it. She's also a doll. Uh, Of course, Ron Tremper is... Ron Schemper is the godfather of leopard geckos. Gotta love Ron. He is the man that brings us the bandit, the raptor, emerines, all kinds of cool stuff. He's expanded his lines to include white and yellows, uh, Las Vegas morphs, bell morphs, all kinds of beautiful stuff. Check out leopardgecko.com. Also, his apps on uh, for your smartphones, uh, Leopard Gecko Pro and Leopard Gecko Care. And he's got a few other ones, too you can check out. Also, his book is almost out of print, Leopard Geckos, The Next Generations. Make sure you get it from his website. Make sure you have him autograph it for you. It will be a collector's item. I bought like five or six of them here, and uh, I'm going to hold on to them until they're worth about 500 like the original, and then I'm going to sell them to you guys for 500 bucks each. <laughs> uh, GiantLeopardGecko.com. Keith Kagan's doing some amazing work over there with beautiful tremper morphs and some big size geckos. So check out giantleopardgecko.com and use the code GNR2014 for 20% off until September 30th. Only one more week to go on that. And let's see. Oh, of course, MS2 Premium Chow. If you are feeding your insect eating reptiles, you're going to want to, you are what you eat, folks, right? So you're going to want to make sure those insects are eating the best food. So make sure you feed them MS2 Premium Chow so that they eat good and your insect eating reptiles eat good. Last but not least, in our newest sponsor, Daryl and Kate Burton from Longhorn Geckos. Longhorn Geckos is a father and son collaboration specializing in top quality, high end leopard gecko morphs and some wild types like Angermanias and uh, some other ones that he's working on Turkmenicus, uh, Fasciolatus, and even some uh, normal. Uh, macularis macularis stuff so check out longhorn geckos on facebook and their soon to be up website all right and that's it folks i just want to say that all those sponsor plugs are sincere these people are really the best at what they do and we are proud to have them on board with us as sponsors of gecko nation radio i want a special thank you to steve for everything that he does with the videos and uh, we're going to be doing some more cool stuff more cool media for uh, Gecko Nation Radio in the future. So uh, I'm going to sign off now. I love you all, Gecko Nation. You guys are awesome. Until next time, here's a cool song to take us out.